Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Hallelujah. Timothy, in, in Paul's first epistle to Timothy, he talked about end times, then he talked about him again in Second uh, Timothy. In chapter 3, it says, But we know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, difficult times will come. And then it, he described the condition of men that would prevail in the last days, in the end days. And in verse number six, he said, for of this sort are those who creep into households. And we looked at this on Wednesday night in a little more detail and uh, in in previous uh, services. And we pointed out that this is not likely uh, a reference to individual residential homes where families by themselves lived and so forth and went about their their daily and their weekly business. That this is more likely referring, because we found out that the word house and household, when you see those two words in the New Testament, they, they always come from one of two words, and those words mean, both of those words mean a house, a, a fixed abode wherein families dwell. So we know that uh, that it's more likely, just because of the context, that this isn't talking about people who slip into, into random homes of Christians, but this is talking about people who slip into churches because churches, but by and large, uh, operated in people's homes. That's where they met. And so this is more likely what it's talking about. And so he identified the uh, corrupt nature of man and that, that in the last days, people of the description, and we won't go into all of that, the description of, uh, of the wickedness and the darkness that, that existed in mankind in general, he said of this sort are those who, who sneak into churches. He's talking about uh, uh, Fake ministers. He's talking about people who call themselves ministers who try to work their way into churches in order to take captive people who are gullible. Okay? So, uh, in, in talking about this, in warning the church, I should say, in this, he gave two specific directions uh, about how to protect yourselves. Not in necessarily the, in the order, but in order of its importance. He says in verse number 14, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. He said, these are two, these are two concepts in one verse. He said, you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. In other words, the things that have been made real to you. 
It's one thing to learn a Bible principle. It's another when it's another thing altogether when that principle becomes alive on the inside of you and you see the significance of it and it goes off on the inside of you. We call that very often revelation knowledge. Can be called illumination by the Spirit, enlightening by the Spirit. All of those uh, words would be proper. He said you need to continue. This is the number one protection against false ministers, false doctrines, and so forth. Now tonight, in tonight's service, I'm going to begin a new series entitled Testing Dreams, Visions, Revelations, uh, Spiritual Manifestations, and, and Ministries. So I'm going to talk about that tonight. And... He said that we need to, in order to protect ourselves from the faults, we need to continue to walk in the things that we already know. And in keeping with that, going on with that, with that concept, he said that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Anytime you see the word doctrine in the New Testament, it's the word teaching. He said it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God, that would be the woman of God as well, may be complete, thoroughly equipped with every good work. So the number one protection against things that are false and things, uh, ministries and so forth that try to work their way into churches, whether it's, uh, you know, in the natural realm today, somebody coming into the service or, way, or whether they try to sneak their way into the churches through the internet. Amen. The number one protection is the word of God. Notice, he said in verse 14, you must continue the things which you have learned and been assured of. Then secondly, knowing from whom you have learned them. If you go back up to verse number 10, he said, but you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long suffering, my love, my perseverance persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all, the Lord delivered me. It's interesting that he reminded Timothy of the persecutions and afflictions and opposition that he experienced at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. He's referring to his first uh, missionary journey that started in, in Acts chapter 13, goes on through 14 and 15, and how that uh, when he got into, into that region of, of Antioch and, and Lystra and Derby and Iconium, uh, when he got to Lystra, in every one of those places, there was opposition. They tried to, uh, in one of those locations, right before he got to Lystra, uh, I think it was maybe Iconium, I'm not sure, but one of those cities, they tried to, they were secretly planning to kill him. And so when they found out about it, they left and, and went to Lystra and started preaching the gospel. When they got there, they had a great time there. God moved and, and, and people were established. That's when Timothy's family evidently came to Christ. 
And uh, Timothy was a young man at the time. This was Paul's first missionary journey. And, uh, and, and the people from one of those other cities, from Antioch or somewhere, came to Lystra and stirred up the people and they stoned the apostle Paul. He wasn't able to get out of town quick enough this time. They stoned him, dragged him out of town, left him for dead. God raised him up, praise God. He said, out of these persecutions, the Lord delivered me from them all. Amen. So he draws uh, Timothy's uh, uh, attention back to the first time he had met the Apostle Paul. So beginning from the very beginning and then, of course, right on up until the, the current days when, when Paul was an older man now and he's writing to his son in the faith, he picked up Timothy and made him a part of his evangelistic team on his second missionary journey a couple of years later or sometime later. And, uh, and so now they're both very, uh, older. They've got a very long and, and precious uh, history together and relationship together. Timothy has traveled with him in, in various places and... and uh, and so he, he says, I want you to remember, you have carefully followed my teaching, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, and all of these other things. So those are the two things that God gives us here to protect ourselves. Number one, feed on the word of God. Stay with what you know. If it's working for you, why in the world would you throw it away and find something else that's not working for anybody? Amen. Amen. If what you know brought you in the victory, something else is not going to provide for your victory. It's more of what you know is going to keep you in victory. Isn't that right? And so in keeping with that, the Lord instructed me this morning to talk about some of the things that we know and have been fully persuaded of. Because these, he he said in uh, the fourth chapter yeah in the fourth chapter verse number three for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but according to their own desires because they have itching ears they will heap up or literally pile up for themselves teachers there seems to be no shortage of voices today vying for your ear for your attention friend I'm not talking about in the world I'm talking about in the church a lot of voices, a lot of messages, a lot of teachings. And, and he said during this time that people will not endure sound doctrine. They flat won't put up with it. I've run into some of these people. And I'm, and I'm saddened to say some people that I've known many, many years, fellow ministers, I can't even talk to them anymore. They absolutely will not tolerate sound doctrine. They followed after some uh, doctrines that are out that are outside the Word of God. They're 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 actually uh, taking the Word out of its context and refusing to see anything. This one particular brother that I've known many many years has a has had a tremendous ministry, but it's about fallen apart now. He only, on this one particular doctor, he would only present one side of the, of the picture. You know, the Bible and Bible truths is like a mountain. There are many different sides to the same, to the same truth. You know, if you see a natural mountain, 
You can look at it from the west and you, have, you could sit and you could take a picture or you could paint a, a, a painting of it. If you went around on the east side and looked back at that same mountain, it wouldn't look like the same mountain. It looked totally, there would be nothing to even, it wouldn't even resemble what you saw from the west. And yet it's the same mountain. Well, Bible truths are that way. Many times there are different sides. If you want to see what the mountain looks like, you have to look at it from all sides. And so when this brother, he kept, uh, this was several years ago, quite a few years ago now, when, when he was uh, becoming more and more entrenched in this, I, I, I tried to help him. And uh, he only would present this one side. And I would come back to say, well, what you're saying is true. But there's another side. What about all these other? He would have none of it. I mean, he absolutely would not acknowledge. And, and, and I mean, I, I was so frustrated. I would present just a simple, just a simple basic truth. And he would not acknowledge that there was any validity at all. None. He would not acknowledge any of it in a simple Bible truth that was laid out in, in black and white, just as plain, because it wasn't the view of the mountain he was looking at. That's very, very dangerous. So sound doctrine has to be reiterated, particularly in these days. Particularly in these days. Amen. So that we stay focused on what we know to be true. Now, that doesn't mean that more light and more understanding doesn't come. Certainly, we prayed this, I prayed this this morning, that we would gain illumination, enlightenment. But any, any enlightenment that comes from the Spirit of God will be in harmony with all revelation from the Spirit of God. And I've said many times before, if, if you see two different things in the Bible that seem to contradict each other, you just don't understand enough about it. That's just all there is to it. There's, there's, there's something in your understanding. Just stay with it. Continue to believe both. It's not my job or your job to reconcile the Bible. I believe this because it says it. I believe that because it says it. I don't always know how the two work together. They don't seem to, they, they might seem to be contradi uh, contradictory. My job is not to choose one or the other. My job is to say, well, I, 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 you know, I'm just a simple-minded man. I just believe both of them. And I don't have to have an explanation. But I've, known, I've noticed over my lifetime that when I would do that and I would just be patient and continue to serve God and continue to pray and love God and seek him and live for him, that along the way, the connection would become, and I'd say, oh, yes, yes, I see how that works together. That's not in contradiction at all. It was just another element of it I hadn't seen. Amen. So we don't need to be dogmatic in the sense that we aren't open to more understanding. But at the same time, don't let anybody steal from you what you have. Well, praise the Lord. So I want to talk about a few of the things that changed my life, made a huge difference in my life, and... Uh, formed and forms and continues to be a foundation upon which other things have been built. And it's the simple truth of the new creation, the new birth and the new creation. 
Oh, my goodness. I grew up in church. My family, though we weren't, my, pa- my dad was not a, a, a full-time minister. He wasn't a pastor or anything like that. But my family was involved in church like many families are around here. We, our family was considered one of the pillar families of the church. We, I, I used to, used to, you know, laugh about that. We were, we were, we got there to church almost before anybody else did. And it, only the janitor that locked the building left later than we did. And there wasn't just the Anderson family. There were a few other families and we were just involved in everything. So I grew up in a culture of church, going to church. It was just part of our lives. I heard the gospel message. I heard salvation uh, and, and uh, through the blood of Jesus. I heard it all my life. I can't even tell you how many times I thought I got saved. Because every time a revival would come to my church, I'd get under conviction, I'd go to the altar, I'd give my heart to Jesus, and I'd promise him, this time I'm going to live for you. But by the time the next revival came, and we had several in a year, by the time the next revival came, I was backslidden, and I thought I was lost, and I'd come back to God, and I'd, get, and I'd do it all over again. Does anybody else relate? Some of you didn't, you, ne- you, never, you never experienced that. Uh, something was missing. Something was missing to me, and I venture to say to most people today, maybe inside the church, but certainly outside the church, many inside the church, the new birth the concept of being born again simply means getting right with God. That's what it means to most people. It's unfortunate that, that expressions that come from the Bible that are so powerful and so rich in, in meaning, such depth, it's unfortunate that because of their, their universal use and exposure in, in culture, that, that it just becomes almost an empty term that has a very shallow meaning resonating in, in people's minds when they hear it. To most people, to be born again simply means to, quote unquote, get right with God because we're, we're, we're wrong with God. We're sinners and we don't want to go to hell. That's the whole concept of getting right with God. It's more about not going to hell than it is having a relationship with God. It's, it's, it's all about, you know, uh, you know, repenting of our sins and turning from our sins and, and, and surrendering our lives to God and just trying to be right then. That's what the new birth is. And that's what I struggled with. That was the, the, the real, really the problem because I just thought if I, could, if I could just get saved one more time, of course, I understand you don't get saved more than once, but I felt like if I can just get saved this time, I'll, I, this time I will do it right. This time, God, I will really live for you. But what, I, but what I didn't have understanding of was what the new birth, if I had known what the new birth actually was, 
would have made all the difference in the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, now you can, you can read about, I have a lot of notes here that I'm going to skip over. You can read all about what salvation is and, and why you need it and how it comes, all in the first few chapters of the book of Romans. If, if the New Testament, if, if, the, if the books of the New Testament could be likened to a cathedral, the book of Romans would probably be the most outstanding spire of, of that cathedral, of that edifice. I mean, it would tower uh, above uh, uh, the others. There is so much rich explanation, particularly in the first few chapters of Romans. In chapter 3, 4, and 5, the way of salvation is completely revealed. The why for salvation, why you need it, why you can't do without it, how it cut, it's all right there. So I'm, we're not going to look at it today. I just want to point you in that direction. Go with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> Verse 17. <laughs> oh, this, this truth set me free. It, it ended my backslidings. When I found out what this passage was saying, I've never, after, after being a career backslider, I mean, I was, just a, I was just a kid, but I'm telling you, backsliding was just part of my life. Interspersed with, with a, you know, these periodic getting right with God, I'd always backslide. But when I was 20 years old, now listen, it didn't have anything to do with my age because I, 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 I continued, the people that I knew continued to backslide. The only problem is the older they got, the, the, the less often they came back. Their hearts got hardened. When I was 20 years old, I got back into fellowship with the Lord and I was, I was, I was determined this time, this time, this time was going to be different. But it would not have been different if I hadn't got into this passage right here. It wouldn't have been different. But when I learned what this verse is all about and, of course, the, what the Bible and other places says about it, it, it's, it's broke the cycle, amen, of defeat and failure. It simply says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Now, as I always tell you, to be in Christ, that simply means to be in union with Christ. When we were born again, the Holy Spirit moved upon our Inward man, we are a spirit. The Holy Spirit moved upon that inner man in response to our simple faith in Christ. When we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, when we exercised faith and said, I'm gonna trust Jesus from this moment, he is my way of salvation. I'll no longer look at, to myself. I'll no longer look at the works of the flesh. I'll never look, look to uh, uh, works of righteousness and efforts of my own. All of my faith is going to be in Jesus Christ and him alone. When, when I put my simple faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit recreated my inward man. Now, this happened to me as a child. I kept backsliding because I didn't know what had happened to me. 
But what had happened, if I had known the Holy Spirit moved upon my, uh, upon my inward man and recreated me in union with Christ. You say, can you explain that? I've been at this a long time. I cannot explain. All I know is the Bible says that as a believer, I am one with the master. I'm united to Christ. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me and we too are inseparable. And the body of Christ is made up of all of us and the circle just gets bigger and bigger until it circles the globe and even reaches up into heaven to the Christians who've gone home before us. All of us are in union with one another and with Christ. If any man is in union with Christ, he is a new creation. Now, here's the part I didn't get that... You have to get it, church. You just have to get it. If anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new creation. It is not a matter of getting religion. And yes, it is getting right with God, but not from the negative standpoint of, of uh, God's against me and and I'm so contrary to him and now I've just got to surrender to him. It's more than that. It's coming into right standing with God. It's not just appeasing God by my submission and my surrender. It's, it's coming into a position of being right with God and having right standing with him that he no longer looks at me as, as the creep I thought I was. He doesn't see me the way I see myself. He doesn't see me the way other people sees me. God sees me in union with Christ. He sees me identified with God. The father sees Jesus when he looks at you. He sees Christ when he looks at you. You look like Christ to God the father. I don't know how that can be. Well, you won't know if you keep saying that. (laughs) If anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new creation. Other translations are helpful. The 20th century New Testament says, therefore, if anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new being. Now, you didn't, to your friends and family, you didn't look like you were somebody new. You didn't walk in and say, who are you? You're not coming into this house today. I don't know. No, you look like the old you. This is on the inside in your inward man. If anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new being. Another translation or or paraphrase, the Phillips paraphrase says, if anyone is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. William's version says, if anyone is in union with with Christ, I love this one. This is probably my favorite. He is the work of a new creation. When, when, when When I realized at 20 years old that back when I was a child, probably six years old, I know by the age of six, 
because I think I was water baptized about that time. At that time, I became a new person altogether. Now, what happened to me after that? Those years from six to 20, all my backslidings as a, as a youngster, and by the time I, I, I was in my middle teens, I had given up completely. I stopped coming to the altar, I stopped trying to serve God, and I went the way of the world. Because the, my big problem was, I can't do this. I just can't. So why fight it? And being in a backslidden condition, the, the things of the world started looking really good to me. So I was tempted and led astray because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what had happened to me. I didn't know that I had been made a new person altogether. And so by by that ignorance, the devil used that ignorance to deceive me and to keep me in bondage. But oh, glory to God. When I responded to the tugging on my heart and came back to Christ... Barclay's translation says, when a man becomes a Christian, a new act of creation happens to him. Listen, church, you can let these words roll off of you if you're not careful and not understand that when you were born again, the person that lived inside that physical house that we all see When you got born again, the real man on the inside was recreated. There was was an act of creation as distinct and real as the creation of the universe. Not quite as big, but as as distinct and as real. Just as, as... Just as powerful as if God would create anything out of nothing... God is the God who calls things that do not exist as though they do and creates something out of nothing. That is God. That's, that is called, that is what creation is. When you accepted Christ on the inside, your old man wasn't renovated. That old man, the Bible says, was dead in trespasses and sin. That old man died the death of the cross, and he's never coming back. And in his place, on the inside of you, in his place, there was an act of creation just as marvelous, just as, just as awe-inspiring, just as divine and all-powerful as when he created the worlds or when he created any little thing. That a creative act took place and a new you. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. The light had begun to come on in my life. The Dean version says, a true Christian is not merely a man altered, but a man remade. (laughs) Glory to God. Then he goes on to say, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. Now, this is the second part of this revelation. 
it's, 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 it's one thing and it's powerful to understand that in the new birth, you became a new person, that a new man was created, a new woman, a new person was divinely created on the inside of you. You can know that and still live in bondage to the past. Because the old memory, see your mind was not recreated. Your memories didn't, weren't erased. You didn't have some kind of a spiritual amnesia. You didn't know who you were. In the natural, your physical body is the same. Your mind is the same. And so you still remember all the things from the old man. All of those files are still up there. All of the things that have happened to you in life, they're still registered up there in your brain. And that, that didn't become new. The person on the inside became new. But here's the, here's the wonder of it. He said, old things have passed away. Now, those old things couldn't be your old body or we'd be having your funeral. It couldn't be your mind or you wouldn't remember anything. Old things were all of the things having to do with that old man. Having to do with the old you. Old things passed away. And all things in this new man, everything has become new on the inside of you. Let me read you just a couple of, three or four translations here. His old life has passed away. A new life has begun. Another version says, the old state of things has passed away, a new has come. Another one says, what is old has gone, the new has come. Barclay says, the old life is gone forever. A new life has come into being. Another version says, this in the Knox translation says, his old life has disappeared, everything has become new about him. This has to be talking about the inward man. The past, I love this, the past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Now, what is the significance of that? The significance of that is all of the things that happened in your natural life that affected your inward man, that affected your, your consciousness, and your conscience, I should say. All the things that happened to you that, that, that uh, brought disappointment spiritually. See, I, I was very disappointed with myself because I couldn't live for God. I, I tried it. I gave it my best for a few weeks, but I couldn't do it. And that reoccurring, that pattern got established in my life. And that's why I ultimately, when I was, you know, in my mid-teens, I just walked away from it. I would rather not experience that disappointment in myself again, so I'll just ditch the whole thing. Well, see, that was, that, that, those experiences uh, of disappointment were really spiritual. They weren't just mental, they were deeply spiritual. Disappointments from your past can, can dog you into this new life and can dog you and follow you to your grave. If you don't get a hold of the fact that that old man died and all those old things died with him. 
hurts, injustice, abuse, failure after failure after failure, disillusionment, like I said, disappointment, all of the things that people or family or friends at school, at home, at work, in life that affected your spiritually, all of those things vanished. Just vanished. And a new person. A new person. Was cre- Do you think if God created a new man and put him on the inside of you, you think God would, a- would attach all that old stuff to him? No. All things have passed away. You know what they said about you? Passed away. You know how you were treated in middle school? Passed away. You know what that person did to you that brought you so much pain and heartache? Passed away, passed away, passed away, passed away. See, if you allow your mind to keep connecting you with those things, you'll walk in defeat the rest of your life. Those ghosts will will haunt you every day of your life. But when you realize they're just ghosts, they're, they're, really, they're really lies. Yes, they happened, but not to you. Did you hear me? Yes, they happened, but not to you. They happened, but not to you because you're a new you. The person they happened to died and passed away. Gone forever. When I realized that I had a completely new slate and that God was now writing a new story on that slate, all things had been passed away. Now notice, all things... Have, again, that couldn't be my. That couldn't be your natural thing. Your 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 body wasn't made new. Your mind wasn't made new. We're told to do something with our minds, and that's what we're doing right now. Yeah. We're dealing with our minds right now, getting our minds straightened out. Old yeah. things passed away. All things have become new. And the next verse says, "And all things are of." God could no more recreate you with some kind of connection to your past. He could, he could not do that and be God. Because it's, it's, he, it's contrary to his being and essence and nature to create anything that's not perfect. He's never, he's never created anything that wasn't perfect. Never will. He's never created anything that wasn't holy. He's never created anything that wasn't righteous and pure. That's the only only thing. Even the devil was righteous and pure when he was created. Even Lucifer was right and pure and holy in the beginning. God cannot create anything but what is pure and right. All the new things about you are of God. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The number one thing in this discussion you need to remember is you've got to break your, your 
uh, connection mentally with the past because God has erased it. He's erased it. Not, not just forgiven it. You're a new person and the, the old man and the new man are not related. I've, I've, I've lived in, I've bought how many, four houses over my lifetime, I guess, three. And then we built one. Anyway, every one of the houses except the one I'm living in, somebody lived in before. I've rented a bunch of places beyond that. And every place I've ever rented, somebody lived, a family lived there before. But just because we lived in the same house, they moved. A new person came to live in that house. When we moved in, somebody had never, that had never been there started living there. Well, that doesn't create a relation, that doesn't create a, a relationship between me and the, and the number, how many people who lived there before. There's no relationship. We're not family. We're not connected one to one another. We don't have a relationship with one another. That old man moved out of that house because he was buried. <laughs> and in place, God created a new you, not related. You're not even cousins. <laughs> not even cousins, not even distant kin. Not related, no, no, no connection. I don't know how else I can say it. There's no connection whatsoever between who you became when you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and who you were. Old things passed away. Therefore, if you, if you are, let me, let me just put it right where it needs to be. If things from your past still trouble you, hurt you, you have to deal with things from the past. You haven't gotten the revelation of this. You haven't. You need, to, you need to meditate in these scriptures. Listen to this service today over and over and over until you have your eureka moment. Amen. I tell you what, when, when, when that happened to me and the light came on, oh, my goodness. Right then I knew I will never backslide again. I didn't say I would never fail God. I would just said I would never, you know, miss the mark on some level, but I would never backslide again. I would always live for God and I would go from where I was and I might make some mistakes, but they'd become fewer and fewer. I'd start learning the process because I was a new man and all of this new stuff in me, the new being was all of God. I knew right then, I, 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 I've never, I grew up in a church culture that we constantly were afraid of losing our salvation. We had songs written about it in the red hymnal about if I can just make it. And If I can just make it, don't know if I can, but I'm, I'm hoping to. And if we finally slide in and land on that celestial shore, just slide in, whoo, glory to God, we made it, we made Once I found this out, I've never sung those songs again that I don't have that consciousness. That's about the weirdest thing I can think of. 
unthinkable that I might not make. Are you kidding me? Might not make it. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm his. He's mine. He's in me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. I can always say the Lord is my helper. Glory to God. He'll always come to my aid. I'll never be forsaken and I'll never forsake him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I raised my family that way. That's, that's the basis for why when my kids were born, I talked about this, you know, on Mother's Day. When my kids were born, I, I held them in my arms and I said, God, this child will live for you all the days of his life. All the days. How, how did I know that? I knew that because I was a new creation and I knew that the time would come, I would lead these two boys to Christ and they would come become new creations. And what I knew, I would put in them. I knew if when they get this, this world has no attraction. Oh yeah, there might be some temptations, but, but not enough. It won't be nearly enough to take them away from, from their God life. Oh, glory to God. Now, now, now I know what you're thinking. Yeah, but you don't know what's happened since then. Go with me to <clears throat> Hallelujah. Where's that at? It'll come to me. <laughs> yeah, go to 2 Corinthians again. I think it's in that same passage. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Look at, look at this. No, in the, in the fourth chapter. Therefore, we do not lose heart. It's all about not losing heart, church. Don't lose heart. Be encouraged. Verse, 15, verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing. Now, are you ready for this? Yet, the inward man is being renewed. Day by day. What does renew mean? Can anybody tell me? Make new. It's what renewed means. Doesn't mean polished up. <laughs> it doesn't mean cleaned up. Our inward man is being renewed. Day by day. Now, here's the, here's the majesty and the awesomeness of God. When you were born again, old things passed away. Because there wasn't anything there worth keeping. There's no reason to salvage any of it. <laughs> it's like going into an old house, you know, you're trying to clean up. Well, you want to keep this? None of this stuff's any good. There was nothing worth keeping, so it all passed away. Everything became new. But going forward, you are made new every day. Only thing, he keeps the good stuff. He keeps the good that you've done. When you confess your sins, he is faithful. As a Christian, he's faithful and just to forgive you cleanse you and and the entire uh, body of the Bible, Old Testament to New Testament, establishes without doubt that when God forgives, it's gone. He doesn't put it over here, you know, to pull it out later. He said, your sins and iniquity, I will remember no more. So they're gone. Whenever all the, all the mistakes you make as a Christian 
Just confess them. They're gone. But all of the good that you do is written down in heaven. (laughs) What a deal. What a deal. What a crazy good deal. In in Hebrews, turn, I know I'm running out of time. Are you going to stay with me another minute? Hebrews chapter 5. I'll get here. Well, praise the Lord. Are you nervous? Don't be. It's in it's in Hebrews six. Verse number ten. I know knew about where it was. Hebrews six ten. For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. God will not forget any of the good you've done as a Christian. I'm not, now, if you're talking about works of your own righteousness, they're, they're filthy. They're, they don't worth anything. But what you do in, by faith in Christ Jesus, all of the gains you make, they're just stacked up, stored up, written down. There's reward for every single one of them. But every day, any of the mistakes you make, the failures when you confess them, they're wiped out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Now, it took me a while to learn that part. But the thing that set me free was the fact that I realized that I didn't, the things that, I had some things that happened to me. You know, when my, when my dad was killed, when I was 11 years old, it made me very angry. Angry with God. It hurt me. How could God take my daddy? That's what they all told me. Well, God needed your daddy. And I thought, well, I needed him better, more than you did. God needed my daddy. And there was a lot of people up there. Why do you have to take my daddy? It turned me against God. It hurt me. But all of that passed away. All of that left. It left. And when I realized it, I still carry that until I saw this. When I saw this, oh, glory to God. Glorious liberty in Christ. Praise the Lord. Let's stand up. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Too many people are carrying baggage from the past. And they're weighted down with that baggage and all that hurt and all those things. The truth is, the truth, the truth is not what you feel. Well, I feel this, it's heavy, you just don't, no, no, it's a lie. You open those bags, you'll find out they're empty. They're empty. They're empty. 
<laughs> so why in the world would you want to cleave to that? Why would you want to hold on to that? Why would you want to live in that? Well, I don't want to. Well, you must. Because you're doing it, you don't have to. Let this word get in you. Let it get down in you, feed on it until... If, if you are not awed, if you are not absolutely amazed with not me, but what I shared today, you don't get it yet. You haven't gotten it. That's the truth. Amen. If this doesn't, if this doesn't or hasn't radically changed your life, then you just need to feed a little more at the trough until you get it. Because what I'm telling you will absolutely set you free from the past. Set you free. Glory to God. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. How good you are beyond our words, beyond our ability. (laughs) Oh, Father, to, to describe how grateful we are that you would love us and provide such a rich salvation. Hallelujah. Father, we owe all devotion, love, commitment to you, Father. To the Lord Jesus, our Savior. Wonderful, wonderful Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us, Father. I pray today that supernatural understanding, deep spiritual understanding of these truths, Father, will gain a a foothold, establish itself in the hearts of every person here. until they are completely free, completely free from all and anything and all of the past that might ever hold them down and hold them back. I pray that, Father. And I know that you're able to do it. I know the Holy Spirit is able to do it. According to the faith, according to the willingness of the individual, to make a commitment to it. I know you'll do it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Now, here's the thing. You have to know it, but you also have to be assured of it. There's things that you know and have been assured of. You have to be assured of it. And then you have to act on it because you can know something in your heart, you can have revelation of, of a truth or some aspect of the will of God. You know, you've, you've been enlightened. But, but your natural mind will still fight you. You've got, you've got illumination and understanding. You've got your natural mind and, your, and, and the flesh. It'll still fight you. And the enemy will try to persuade you to not act on this. But when you see it, regardless of 
Sometimes your mind will say, that's just too much. That's just too big. That couldn't be true. But when you see it, believe it. And then act on it. Start ordering your life according to this truth. Hallelujah. An old dum-dum, the devil, his, his accusations will just become more ridiculous sounding, more absurd. I'm talking about more, you know, the circus. It'll be like a circus act out here on the side somewhere. Because you'll be so full of the life and light of God and the freedom. What freedom it brings. Woo, hallelujah. So believe it and act on it. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.